Hello and welcome to ChickFlix. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about Columbus and liberal arts. But first, let's catch up. What are Ken's- you into? Oh, okay. You got me first. Yep. You got me first. Um, what am I into? Okay, so I'm reading this book by um, an author named Fran Ross. Uh, it's called Oreo, and it is about a young woman who lives in Philadelphia in 1974, and her father, her estranged father, is a white Jewish man, and her mother is a black woman. Um, and it's about her kind of journey to discover the secret of her birth. But it's a very funny satire, and there's lots of good Philly, uh, you know, environment, uh, colorful set dressing uh, that, if you're familiar with the city at all, is like very interesting and fun to read. And it's kind of like a cult classic now. A lot of people are like rediscovering this book, even though it's been out for a really long time. And Fran Ross was a comedy writer for Richard Pryor. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's like a really experimental structure where, um, she kind of sets up, uh, the two sides of this family in a very like theatrical way. Um, and then there's like some parts of it that are just, uh, letters and kind of other different forms. Um, but the main character is a young girl named Christine and everyone calls her Oreo. So that's Oreo by Fran Ross. So the second thing I'm into is that we saw Zola, um, I guess two weekends ago now, mm-hmm. one weekend ago, two. And time time is well, weird. Counting this weekend, two weekends. Gotcha. Oh, crazy! So we saw Zola, my first movie in theaters since wow, March of 2020, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really great to be back in a theater. It was very exciting to eat popcorn, mm-hmm. um, and we were like the only people there. I felt like right. There, there were a few some, other people. Yeah, there were some other people, yeah. But love that feeling of being in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Zola. I would like to read some more criticism of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one just offhand, one that I can think of that I see is that people were kind of disappointed about how the tone of the movie was so much different than the tweet thread it was based on. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently, uh, you know, the, the thread was a little more humorous and... When you see the things that she's describing on screen, it's a lot darker. Right. Um, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like the the tone was just funnier in the tweet thread. And then when you see it, you're like, this is like a terrible human trafficking. Yes. Sad story. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. And I particularly liked the um, soundtrack by Mika Levy who I have now deep dived into their work and I particularly love their work on under the skin, which came out in like 2013, which is Mm -hmm. so wild. Um, and I've been listening to their music on Spotify a lot. Um, and it's very like synthy and atonal and I put it on when I do my skincare routine at night and brush my teeth and just zone out. And I also have been listening to it while I'm on the subway. (laughs) It was such a vibe. Like, it's a vibe, yeah. yeah. It's you know, especially the under the skin soundtrack to feel you know getting in touch with your weird remote genderless alien, uh, <laughs> you know, who's on Earth to hunt men. Um, <laughs> so really, I've been enjoying that. And then the third thing that I'm into that has made me so happy this past week is the second season of I Think You Should Leave, um, and it's by Tim Robinson, and it's on Netflix. 
It's so funny to me, and I think it's one of those shows that really needs repeat viewing to fully mine its rich depths, but it puts me in this mood where I feel like shouting a lot after watching it. Uh, like I feel like I've become possessed by the Tim Robinson character. Or he, I mean, he's different characters in all the sketches, but he is like the same kind of man-child who yells a lot and just doesn't back down from stupid or deluded convictions. Um, I found that when I hang out with my sister after watching this show that like we both just yell a lot. <laughs> uh, That's cute. Just has possessed me. What are you into, Ken's? Um, so the first thing is Another Round by Thomas Vinterberg. Um, it's a Danish movie and it stars Mads Mikkelsen. And it's about like this group of middle-aged men. They're all friends and they're all teachers at the same school. Um, and they are kind of, especially Mads Mikkelsen's character, He's sort of his marriage is kind of falling apart. Mm. He none of his students really are that engaged. He's kind of a boring teacher. Um, he's just sort of like depressed, I think. Um, and they all decide to test this theory from some philosopher that the human is born with a uh, 0.05% too little alcohol. So they all t- start taking shots before. Um, like teaching and they're all Mm -hmm. they like say they're only allowed to drink like during work and not at night and not like on the weekends and so they do at first like start to loosen up and like he becomes like a cool teacher he like spices things up with his wife um and things start to like improve for him but then they're like let's push it can we make take it further and then they all like take it like it unravels very quickly and like it's it's sort of so it's like very funny but it's also very tragic i think it like walks this like uh it it has like a weird like balance between the two um and but it's very entertaining and you're even like charmed by all of them but you're also Mm -hmm. like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) especially because like yeah and then at the end it has a really wacky dance sequence that is is just like kind of the whole it encapsulates like the whole tone of the movie which is just like wacky but also kind of sad um wow because he used to be like a jazz ballet dancer so sad uh yeah so hot can you believe that leonardo dicaprio is going to star in the american remake oh wow doesn't have the range (laughs) i think he doesn't have the range i haven't seen the movie and i think he doesn't have the range I don't want that. <laughs> Stupid. Americans just need to watch movies with subtitles. Right, yeah. Oh, God. <sighs> I know. It won't be as fun. It would, it'll, yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. S- sad American men getting drunk for work? No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the second thing is the Netflix series Feel Good by comedian... May Martin, I mean, they're the, like, star and probably writer, I, I'm not sure, um, but uh, they're basically pe- playing themselves in sort mm-hmm. of, like, an autobiographical role, um, and May is a, a Canadian comedian living in England, 
and they meet George, who is like a woman who's in the. She's never dated a uh, non-binary or woman before, but um, has this like attraction to May, and they start dating, and it's really, uh, it's really funny, obviously, because May is a comedian. Um, mm-hmm. And they have really good chemistry. Um, and May has this sort of look uh, about them that their eyes are just huge. Yeah. <laughs> and very blue. And there's one, and they, they're constantly like referencing that. It's, it's really funny. Um, but May is also like a recovering addict. And you kind of watch them both sort of have these self-destructive behaviors. Like, uh, George doesn't want to come out to any of her friends. May sort of is dabbling Mm -hmm. with, uh, drugs again. Oh man. Um, and in the second season, there's like some PTSD and stuff. And I feel like watching people be self-destructive can sort of be frustrating at times, but, um, this show I don't think is frustrating. I think you like, really understand mm-hmm. why they're being self-destructive. So, and I think that's hard to do. So I thought it was really good. Um, and then the last thing is F9. I fucking F9. love Fast and Furious. F9. Even just talking about it now, I'm like, hell yeah. You're in a better place. You're like yes. centering yes. yourself. Yes. <laughs> um, so was it the best Fast and Furious? No. But was I disappointed? Also, no. It was really good. Um, I teared up twice. <laughs> oh, my Which God. So uh, I teared up when the first time I saw, saw Han again. Han's back, baby. Uh, and then I teared up when they hit the NOS in space. <laughs> Which what? is so funny. <laughs> and... Uh, if you don't know what that means, Bridget, NOS is like a, a thing that they put in their car to make it go like turbo speed. <laughs> and they hit it at a certain time in the race to like make them go faster. Um, and and I feel like they got space. away from hitting the NOS in like they did it. Wow. It was like a big thing in the first movie. And like when the, the series was all about street racing and they sort of mm. got away from it, but they brought it back. They brought They're it back. They're connecting big, you know, things it's a a rich tapestry (laughs) so i was really just good it was good to see the nos being hit in space uh (laughs) so i really and and i liked there was like some flashbacks to when Mm -hmm. uh dom was younger and i liked that and then at the end not to spoil it but i'm gonna do it because whatever do it at the end, when you know they're having their family barbecue as they do with the coronas, etc., um, they there's an empty chair at the table, and they say there's still an empty chair, and then no, they're like he's on his way, and then Paul no. Walker's car drives up into the driveway. No, no, I'm actually I'm not even joking that I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, and I have never even seen one of these movies. They do a re- they do a really good job of like of like honoring him. I feel like that's so beautiful. Yeah. So wow. Yeah, we should. We gotta watch them. 
We really do. It we would, really it's just fun. Like it's yeah. I think that like people compare this now to like Marvel. And I definitely know mm. why I think like with an ensemble I think both like uh franchises work because they're ensembles mm-hmm. that you are like you feel like they're friends and so you feel like they're your friends <laughs> kind yeah. of because yeah. you've seen them yeah. so much and they're no, always really together and i think that this one just does it better oh, well that is very sexy to hear <laughs> we love friendship on chick flicks podcast <laughs> Now let's talk about some different types of friendship, like when a grown man befriends <laughs> someone who was just a child. <laughs> yeah, I, texting you about this, I was like, I kept avoiding, I didn't know whether to say girl or woman, honestly, because I was like, I try to say, well, yeah. I'm trying to say woman when I mean a woman, because oftentimes, you know, I yeah. default to just oh, girl same, for everyone. Same. Everyone does. But I was like, I don't know. They're like 19. I was like, it's especially in the context of like this older man. Like I was like, should I just call them a girl? I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. I was, I was conflicted about it. That is a very hard line, especially even when you are that age to feel that way about yourself. Right. Yep. Like Britney Spears. Like I was just about to say that. (laughs) I was just about to say that. That's so funny. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. Let's jump into it. So our first film that we're talking about is Columbus from 2017. Um, Casey and Jen are both stuck in Columbus, Ohio. Casey is a 20-year-old whose peers have left the city for college, while she remains to watch over her addict mother. Jen is brought to Columbus when his father, a visiting architecture scholar, falls into a coma. Jen resents his father's career and his prolonged vigil in Columbus. But he and Casey strike up a friendship. She guides him through the city's many landmarks, and they talk about art, their parents, and what can happen next. Well, this movie will make you want to go to Columbus, Ohio. It is a beautiful advertisement for the city of Columbus, Ohio. Yes. (laughs) Like, just totally gorgeous. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I was reading that... um, the like mayor of the town went to the Sundance premiere. Yeah, or something. I saw yeah. that too. That's really That's cute. cute. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this movie is directed by Coco uh, Coco Nada, um, who is a uh, director who takes his alias from Coco Noda, the co-scripter of Yasujiro Ozu films. Hmm. Um, and this is his first. This is his debut feature film, even though he's been doing video essays for quite some time. I don't think I've, I think I probably have watched some of his video essays without realizing. Oh, cool. I yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, because he does them on, like, other directors. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, it's very cool. Like, Richard Linklater, I think I've seen that one. Um, and so this was his first film, and he tapped John Cho, veteran Hollywood actor, and Haley Lee Richardson. And I feel like, Ken's maybe we've covered, this is our second Haley Lee Richardson movie this season oh, third yes well we also have done split she's in split oh my gosh i forgot she's in split she doesn't get a chance to shine in split. yeah true <laughs> she does not get a chance to shine in split and you know one day if we do another high school app i would love to do uh edge of 17 yeah that would be cool to do i love that movie yeah. but um so kind of a mix between a really familiar face and a new and upcoming face mm-hmm. uh 
yeah, what did you think of the two main characters? Let's jump into it. Um, so I think I like this movie a lot, and it makes sense that Koganata did video essays before because mm. it's a very like academic seeming movie. Mm-hmm. I think that it's self aware in that aspect a bit, but um, unlike liberal arts, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I and I think that maybe because of that the relationship between the two of them does feel a bit contrived like mm. uh what the one review we said we saw um uh from mark jenkins review in npr uh despite richardson and cho's assured performances their characters dialogue and relationship are never fully believable from the unlikely gesture that begins it a contemporary young woman offers a cigarette to an older male stranger their connection feels contrived and i like totally agree i yeah. think i think that it's super interesting to think about from an academic perspective and from like a uh like story perspective but not from like an emotionally i think it falls a little bit flat for me Mm -hmm. um and because of their relationship with each other i think that they're good like mirrors of each other Mm -hmm. i think that ultimately they are like on the same a similar path and are like almost like ships passing in the night kind of like i think that they both and i think that the most interesting thing about this movie and i think what connects them is their relationship with their parents Mm. i think that they both really want something from their parent i think for Mm -hmm. casey in casey's case she really wants her mom to be a mom her mom is uh a uh former like uh, she's an addict she um wasn't using at the time of the movie but um, had in the past and it was sort of Casey was just constantly worried that she would start using again um and Jin Jin's father uh has was always sort of kind of absent and just uh, obsessed with his work um mm-hmm. and so I think they both really like want something from their parent and I think that Jin is at the point where he I mean, his dad, the premise of the movie is his dad, like, is, uh, uh, in the hospital. Like, I think Mm. he probably, like, had a stroke and is now, like, uh, life support. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Jin is at the point where he, like, he can never get that. It's now, like, an impossibility. That desire to, like, want that Mm. thing from his father is, like, now impossible and i think for Mm -hmm. casey she's sort of coming to the realization herself maybe earlier in life that she won't ever get it Mm -hmm. yeah the the movie uh is i think pretty forward about this idea of like balance and they kind of talk about it a lot and talking about the different buildings that they visit Mm -hmm. um and kind of like how sometimes imbalance also can contribute to the sense of a building like the the church that they visit that Mm -hmm. has the cross to uh one side kind Mm -hmm. of predominantly off center um and they kind of at the end of the film like maintain balance by Mm -hmm. having casey leave and Jin stay and that being kind of like the the 
forward needed motion for both of their arcs. Right. But I agree with you that they're the central relationship in this. Like, I want to like it because I love Haley Lou Richardson and mm-hmm. she's an amazing actress yeah. and I love John Cho. Um, and he's a great actor and he's really nice to look at, <laughs> but, um, they feel a little more opaque when they're together and mm-hmm. we'll get to the whole age sexual tension thing in mm-hmm. a second. But I feel like both of their characters too, you can kind of get a better sense of when you see them interacting with different characters, like yeah. Casey with her mom or Casey with the Cullen boy, who's Hogan boy. And I forget which Culkin he is. Rory Culkin. Yeah. I feel like her scenes with Rory Culkin are scenes where she is both being like kind of vulnerable and also putting up a wall at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cinematography is, like, so interesting in some of these interactions, too. Like, I'm thinking of the scene where she runs into a girl from high school. Mm -hmm. And you don't see her talking to the girl. You see the girl. And then behind her in the frame is Rory Culkin's character, who's Casey's uh, co-worker. Mm -hmm. And you see him, like, reacting to Casey, you know. Um, And it tells you all you need to know. And so same thing with Jin and Parker Posey's character. Like, Mm -hmm. he kind of has more of a vulnerability around this person who's known him longer. Mm-hmm. And I just found those scenes almost like more interesting to me than the long scenes where yeah. they talk about like art or whatever. I totally agree. I think yeah. almost like it just seems like they're almost not even talking to each other. It seems like they're ta- just talking out loud. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because to me, it seems almost like Jin is like a future version of Casey almost yeah. like she will she will also at one point like come back and like be like have to talk with her mom and stuff um but yeah it doesn't seem and they're also the way that they're framed when they are talking to each other is mm. they're often framed apart um mm. and it seems it it's honestly like strenuous to the eyes because <laughs> I found my, my eyes were like going like back and forth like to try for the screen to try and yeah. like uh get both of their reactions because they're just like far apart um mm-hmm. so i think that's one thing they're also like often framed in like reflections and stuff when mm-hmm. they're talking to each other yeah um which like i said is like another like i think it's like they're just talking out loud but you know I think it's mm-hmm. okay. It just it it I think it's interesting. I think they are interesting as characters, but their connection to each other I think is um maybe it's not meant to be like uh very um inspiring, but it's not there's no like they don't really connect to each other it feels like. I don't know. Yeah. I guess one thing maybe that it is too is that this is like a there's so much richness to the cinematography and the buildings that they're taking in that it does feel like the characters relationship plays second fiddle to the architecture sometimes mm-hmm. um and this was my second time watching the movie and I watched it with my sister and before we started it I assured her that Jin and Casey do not kiss. I was like, don't worry. They don't kiss. They have a platonic relationship. Mm-hmm. And then rewatching it this time, I kind of felt more complicated about their relationship, mm-hmm. which is, I think, purposely obscured mm-hmm. at times, too, exactly if it's platonic or not. Mm-hmm. Um, or I think you could read it a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time together. He's, you know, she's 20. He's at least 45, mm-hmm. even though they don't make his age explicit. Um 
And uh, at one point, she sleeps over at his hotel room, but she wakes mm-hmm. up on the couch. Um, he tells Parker Posey's character about her, and I don't know. It, what did you think? What did you think was... Um, I felt weird. I mean, I've, I felt like it was, I don't think they slept together. Um, but I think that there was certainly attraction to each other. Mm. And I think that in this movie, one thing that like, there were moments where I was like, I cringed about the way that they were interacting. And then there were moments where I was like relieved. Like I cringed when he calls her her full name Cassandra which Cassandra. is something that Josh Radner's character also does to, oh, we'll get to that. the woman in or girl I don't know whatever uh in um uh liberal arts um but the part where I was relieved was when she's like dancing in front of the car yeah I was like I was like oh I hope he's not just like watching her dance in the headlights of this car oh. At night. And he wasn't. He was sleeping. So I was, as soon as I saw that he was asleep, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, yeah, they are at different points of their life. Like, the yeah. dancing in front of a car point and the sleeping in the car point. Um, I feel like I'm going to talk myself in a circle with this. But well, while thinking about this film, I was like, you know, perhaps, like, this is showing that, you know, like, you can't, like, it's, like, age gaps are kind of difficult to talk about mm-hmm. because I think that sometimes they're fine and normal, but often they aren't. And often in cinema and in real life, it is an older man with a younger woman. So mm-hmm. if that is, like, the trending case, like, mm-hmm. something's going on there, clearly. Um, but I think I liked that this movie was about perhaps two people who were attracted to each other and didn't act on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never explicitly say, like, it's you're too young for me or anything like they kind of get into in liberal arts. Mm-hmm. But another complicating factor is that both of these movies are written and directed by men and their character or their stand-in character is a man who is, like, going on an emotional journey almost, like, through a younger girl mm-hmm. or a, a, someone younger than them. Mm-hmm. And that fe- I guess that's what feels weird, too, is that mm-hmm. why is, is it always, like, the young girl needed to spark some sort of, like, character journey for a man? Um, mm-hmm. I did like what the director had to say in an interview in Vulture with uh, Frank Guan. He was asked, do you feel it's just as valuable to represent these relationships that don't fit the standard narrative of consummation? And he said, I think it's definitely a choice that they, Jen and Casey, both make. I don't think it's because it's not viable. I think there are some representations of Asian males when they're just not even sexual people that's not even viable. So to me, and this is true for all human beings, being sexual is part of our being. I wanted that to be a part of it in the same way that one ought not to sexualize just for the sake of it. So I kind of get what he's saying. And John Cho is very sexy. Uh, so, like, no problem there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, and it, I would love to see, like, more Asian leading men in Hollywood. Um, right. But I do think, yeah. I mean, I think that the difference for me between liberal arts and Columbus, um, besides just one being Quality. a way better movie. Yeah. But, like, in terms of their relationship... <laughs> Um, I think that uh, at least in Columbus, uh, Jin is like, he's mourning his 
his dad kind of or trying to yeah. connect find some sort of like connection with his dad like through the sort of this young girl who mm-hmm. was also an architecture nerd mm-hmm. i think that's a more compelling like yeah just certainly a thing <laughs> than mm-hmm. like liberal arts which we'll get into but um i also think there's just like weirder like i think uh casey like she unfortunately like is the caretaker in the relationship with her mom like she has had to like be that person i i mean i think it's unfair to her and i think it is not what she wants like i think she wants to be taken care of by her mom like at the end she is it's her last night in town and she is sort of lying in bed with her mom and her uh she says, I don't even know why I'm leaving. Like, I just want to stay here with you. And her mom just pretends to be asleep. And I think in that moment, she wanted her mom to be like, no, you have to go. Like, I'll be fine. And like, encourage her. And that just didn't happen. And that was like, kind of, for me, it felt like a final, like, yeah, betrayal almost where of her mom, not being a mom. Um, yeah. And like, cause there's like a bunch of times in the movies in where, Casey is the one having to like check up on her mom after mm-hmm. hours or she's always the one cooking, etc. Um, cleaning up after her mom, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think there's that. I think Casey is like having to be more mature faster than she mm-hmm. should have to be. And I think Jin, because he is trying to like connect sort of to his dad is revisiting a younger time of his life where he would probably mm-hmm. could have been closer to his dad or wanted to be like, I think he buys a game in a kid's store so that he can play it with like the ghost of his dad. Almost. He like hangs his dad's jacket on a chair yeah. and then plays by himself. So I think they're both in like this weird time where they're like, like one of them is forced to grow up faster than she wanted. And yeah. the other one is sort of a kid again because mm-hmm. his dad, he's his dad is gone hmm yeah that's a really good point damn i listening to you say that i was like mackenzie got some things out of this movie that i didn't even think about <laughs> I, yeah well and that's interesting too uh kogonada in that same interview in vulture uh he made a really interesting point to me that representation i'm like summarizing his point right now representation in film goes beyond just like putting different types of people into movies and he said that and again, I'm summarizing his point that uh, Casey has like an Asian sensibility and that she feels this sort of duty to her parent. Um, mm. And you're like wanting to be remain with them. Um, and Jin kind of has this more quote unquote, like American sensibility where he's like comfortable, you know, going off on his own. He doesn't mm. feel this duty towards the parent. Um, and he was saying that, you know, like that can be representation too, is that he has this sensibility that he is, relaying to his characters um Mm. i thought that was really interesting yeah that is cool yeah over yeah so overall i feel like this movie the relationship gets like a harder pass because like Jin uh wanting to connect with his dad through someone who has a similar interest to him and then casey sort of being able to like kind of be a kid with Jin. sort of she's like going out at night and like they're just sitting in parking lots or like uh, looking around town, yeah. doing stuff they like, hanging out, 
that's li- that's a little bit like be like being a kid, like having friends, yeah. things to do. So I think they both like are fulfilling something that the other needs. Uh, Mackenzie, would you say that one of them is advanced and one of them is stunted? <sighs> Screaming. That's from liberal arts. Uh, <laughs> that's a quote from liberal arts. <laughs> oh God. Um, one of the reviews, and this I just think is funny because it's like, it's an instance of the reviewer just like not paying attention to the movie, but they were like, uh, uh, Jen stays in a Victorian house maybe to like be like, oh, F yeah. you to modernist, uh, yeah. architecture that his dad loved. And I was like, it was his dad's room though. Like I know his dad was staying there. <laughs> yeah. Which I think. I mean, I think it was intentional, but I don't think it was, like, that reason. I think it was, yeah. like... Like, visually, it looks different. You and know, also, and, I think, like, it could mean that Jin's father wasn't as much of, like, a snob about architecture as he might have thought. Like, maybe true. he uh, was more flexible than Jin believed him to be or something like that, you know? Yeah. It's funny that you should also mention people not paying attention. And look, sometimes I don't pay attention, too. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> But I was reading this one Reddit thread, and obviously a Reddit person is just as qualified as I am to mm-hmm. talk about a movie. But this guy was like, this is a movie about um, this guy who meets this girl who just graduated college, and they hang, and like, it's, or she's just out of college. And I was like, no, sir, <laughs> she is not just out of college. In the she beginning is, of the movie, yeah. though, I was like, did she graduate and is thinking about her master's? Because she talks to that other kid yeah. about master's. But yeah. then, at, like, immediately, you're like, oh, wait, no. She- no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> the math does not work out. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I really liked uh, Columbus, but let's jump into some one-star reviews from people who did not like it. I can read this one. It's, this film is great if you like watching people in a small town look at buildings. Perhaps one of the best examples of this genre. <laughs> I uh, wish... Yeah. Honestly, I wish it was more of a genre. Like, I wish there were more movies where it's just people looking at buildings. Yeah, and talking about buildings. Yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, well, okay. So, well, maybe we'll talk about this more in a little bit. It's never mind. The second Mm -hmm. one-star review is, it's bad enough that this movie is so slow and that the conclusion is obvious long before it arrives. What makes it really bad is that every character at every critical moment lights a cigarette. It's obviously it's obvious that they got money from the tobacco industry. What? <laughs> these are good ones. Yeah, these are good. Liberal is even better. Yeah. Okay, so our second movie is Liberal Arts from 2012. Jesse is adrift. A 35-year-old admissions counselor living in New York City, he jumps at the chance to return to his college campus and revisit his glory years. There he meets Sibby, a 19-year-old drama major who reminds him of the exciting possibilities and indulgent conversations that run rampant on college campuses. The two grow close, but is their relationship based on his need to remain a 19-year-old forever? Yes. And then Bridges Bridget says, more like liberal farts. Do you want to deliver that? <laughs> What'd you say? Do you want to deliver that line? No, that's okay. I think you nailed it. Okay. You got that. You got my sentiment correct. Okay. This movie is directed and written by Josh Radner, who you may know from How I Met Your Mother. This is his second feature film. I can't imagine what his first movie was like. Oh my uh, god! Because some people, some reviews were like, "This is an improvement." 
uh, for oh, him. Jesus Christ. Well, it's yeah. also, I'm so surprised that we could find very little bad reviews of this movie. Yes. Yes. Oh it's my God. The worst movie I've ever seen. But to be fair, I mostly could only find men reviewing this movie. And the biggest disappointment was that Roger Ebert liked this movie. He called it like a pleasurable, unreasonable pleasure about a jaded New Yorker who blah, 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 blah. It's the kind of film that appeals powerfully to me. To others, maybe not so much. And you know, I'm disappointed by that because I don't think this is even a good example of the best of this weird type of genre. Yeah. You know, like I think that there are probably better films about men falling in love with young women on college campuses. Yes. I think so too. This, it, there's nothing interesting about the filmmaking. There's nothing interesting about the dialogue. I think, no. okay, let's compare it to Columbus. Let's friggin' do it. I think mm-hmm. that Columbus is like actually saying something. It's talk yes. like it's with its filmmaking, like it's talking mm-hmm. about art, it with the cinematography uh like you know and this movie is like talking about art with fucking quoting blake and shit you know and i think like meaningless it is (laughs) meaningless and it i think that in columbus i think there is also a lot of quoting stuff but i think in a self-aware way like i think that they sort of like call each other out every time they do it and i think uh, mm-hmm. I think it's like Casey is reciting the tour guide speech, like literally the same speech as the tour guide gives in her town. Yeah, and Jin mm. is like, "But wait, how do you like feel about Why, it?" Which yeah. I think is sort of cringy that he says that. But then in the next conversation, he is quoting an architecture book that he just read, and she's like, "Wait, yeah. you just read this?" And then she laughs at him, and it's like, "You're yes. funny." Yes, um, and I think also that Columbus has something that. They're, the characters are trying to say about art and also themselves. Yes. When they are talking about art, they're trying to work out problems or how they feel about the art yep. and how they feel about their own lives. Mm-hmm. Whereas in liberal arts, no, that is not <laughs> what they're doing. They're just like set pieces who are like, I have this opinion. I yes. have this opinion. Yep. And all yep. of the things, the conversations they have about art is really about how the Jesse character is like really, really nostalgic for college. Yep. And like, I can't remember anything meaningful he said other than being like, your class on romantics, like, changed me. It took yeah. my heart in its hands. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. So he meets this Zibby girl, because she's 19. <laughs> she's a teenager, because yeah. she's 19. Okay, yeah, yeah. Who is played by Elizabeth Olsen, who we love, mm-hmm. uh, and looks beautiful in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and does the best that she can mm-hmm. with what she's given. And she really tries, mm-hmm. I think, a lot mm-hmm. uh, to give Zibby some sort of life. Mm-hmm. But all that we know about Zibby is that she's 19, she's a drama major, and she likes Twilight. And that's really all we get from her, other than her being like this foil of youth. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, watching it... So this is my second time watching this movie, oh, which is God. hilarious. I watched it probably in college when you know like Mm -hmm. you just put something on because you like know it's going to be shitty so you can just put something on and then i was astounded by how bad it was so it has stuck around in my memory um but so i think this time i did feel like i knew more about zibby than Hmm. or like i understood her more i because i was like okay she is like this young girl she uh you know 
it thinks she's uh like maybe like more mature or something mm. uh she like wants she but she also like will stick up for herself about twilight which i think is nice that they like uh, wrote that part in for her but what i yeah. thought was so stupid was all the pr- interactions that she had with josh radner that were like like she says she wants a gentleman caller which oh. i feel like no girl oh. would say that and uh there are just a lot of things that just i feel like would never happen between the two yeah like when they're like just opening being vulnerable with an older man like that is hard to imagine it is hard to imagine if like it's a stretch to imagine um casey offering Jin a cigarette unsolicited Mm -hmm. this movie i'm more forgiving of zibby because she says really cringy stuff and you're like oh she's in college yeah we were all cringy at that age yeah but then they're like no this is (laughs) he has things to teach her about life and she has things to teach him about life um it really is like woody allen through an instagram filter uh (laughs) It's the exact same type of film that Woody Allen would make, um, watered down, which is, I guess, a compliment to Woody Allen. Josh Radner, in an interview with uh, Entertainment Weekly, was talking about his idea for this movie and talking about talking to a producer. He was like back on his college campus, and he he said, quote, I realized if I, I fell in love with a student there, that would be kind of inappropriate. And Hera, the producer, said, that's a great movie, Radner recalled. Yikes. And then this is also important for me to read. During a Q&A following the Landmark Theater screening, which was organized for Kenyan alums, parents, and prospective students, Radner found plenty of opportunity to mull over his writing and directing process, all the while quoting both Winston Churchill and modern critics and referencing practices of ancient Greek artists. So this is him. This yes. is him in the movie. Yeah. That, he is this person yep. in real life. Uh, it's funny because he is like this in How I Met Your Mother, too. Which, but it's like a joke, but more obviously. He, yes, he's like this, but everyone makes fun of him for it. But it's him in real life, which Yikes. is crazy. Yikes. And so the real head scratcher about this movie is just how pathetic the movie wants you to find the character of Jesse. I think the movie is saying this guy is going through a crisis and he Mm -hmm. figures it all out in the end. And like, isn't this relatable? But we watched it and we're like, wow, this man is stupid. Yes. Or is pitiable. Yes. Yeah. I I definitely like... It, like, burned my eyes a little bit to just, like, look at him, kind of. Like, he mm-hmm. is just so embarrassing. Um, and let's talk about the most embarrassing things he does. What? Oh, yeah, let's but- do it. Yeah. Uh, like, well, shit on Twilight. Uh, like, bully, bully a 19-year-old about a book series that she likes. <laughs> yeah, they don't say it's Twilight, but if you're any American warm-blooded person you will recognize (laughs) the cover yeah and yeah it's like an extended sequence about how he's trying to teach her that twilight is bad and she has some good retorts to him she's like i liked it i enjoyed it reading it yeah and so did millions of people and he's like then so that makes it good and she was like 
well millions but of people are it's wrong. honestly anything that's super popular and like you know i do this too when i shit on marvel and stuff but like anything that's super popular is still worth talking about because people enjoy it like it means something if so many people yes, enjoy it connected it. to that many people exactly yes. <laughs> and also i wanted to tell josh radner that twilight the twilight movies and the books will outlive any shitty thing he's ever done yeah and people more people will be affected by them than this movie so haha and he just makes her upset it's also just like dude what are you like if really if what like he's just being an idiot like and he like goes he's he flies out to ohio from new york for just to see zibby and then instead of being with her he stays in his hotel room to read the oh, entire it's twilight so weird. book just so he could tell her how bad it is it's deranged like i truly imagine being <laughs> zibby's friend you're also a sophomore and zibby's like i'm seeing this older man and you're like "Ooh, he must be so cool if he's seeing you yeah. and then you know she's like yeah he's coming this weekend and you're like wow and then you catch up with zibby and she's like yeah he's staying in a hotel room reading twilight so he can tell me how bad it is i would be like we need to get you to a safe space yeah we need to (laughs) right delete his number from your phone yeah same same yeah just really really insane he also when he gets on the college campus he rolls around in the grass and hugs a tree um he equates the college campus to an ex-girlfriend which i felt like was a pretty heavy metaphor um and then he says a lot of stupid things to Zibby, the most stupid of which is he tells her, I can't figure out if he's like, they're like, do we have, I can't remember what prompts this yeah. line. They're like, are we, de- they're like, are why we de- are we such a good match? <laughs> yeah. And he says, I can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or I'm stunted. <laughs> oh my God. So it's weird. It's hard to tell how self-aware this film is. There also is a an extended montage where they're writing uh it's eight minutes long because i watched just the montage again last night um oh my and god and i recommend you look it up <laughs> to watch oh, jesus god it's the so they're writing letters back and forth to each other zibby has given him she burned him a cd with classical music from a class that she was taking on it and it like changed her life which is like i feel like so normal for a college student to go through this like you know discovering new things in college and it having an impact on you Mm -hmm. great wanting to share it great but they're writing handwritten letters back and forth to each other which she also says something like handwritten like there's nothing better than handwritten letters like coming which again is like fine for a college student to get cringy like that but like for josh radner to also inexcusable um and they just go back and forth and he's writing things like like i was listening to this through new york and i've found that i fought like could finally notice my head that i had hands and a body and like it's so cringy look up uh, liberal arts classical music montage and it'll Jesus. probably come up on youtube yes he also um, is like when i listen to this song and walk through it through new york everyone like seems attract more attractive and then it shows every fr- one from new york smiling at him and it's just unrealistic would not happen <laughs> yeah and um Another thing he does that I don't think a Woody Allen character has ever been so bold to do this is he writes out, when she was three, I was 
16 or something. When 19. She was 19. When, ah! Yes. When he was 19, she was three. When I when he was 16, she was zero. And then he goes up and is like, when I will be this, she will be this. Just to like justify it to himself. Yes, he finally yes. gets to like 87 and 74 or something. Yeah, then that's fine. And he's like, oh, okay. And he looks at the number and he's like, okay, I'm going to fly out to see her. <laughs> Yeah, what the hell? And it's weird because they, they do not consummate their relationship. It's a bigger deal in this movie because mm-hmm. um, she wants to have sex with him and tells him she's a virgin, which is also some weird fantasy level shit yeah. on Josh Radner's part. Right. This young virgin being like, please take my virginity. Yeah. I want it to be with you. He leaves her after that and then has sex with a college professor, which feels a little Freudian. Yeah. Um, like a f- professor he had in yeah. college. Um. So really, so you're like, did they have an emotional connection at all? Because he just ran off and had sex with the first woman he saw afterwards. Right, exactly. And 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 you watch Zibby go and that night also have sex with just some rando college guy, but she's doing it with him in mind because she with Josh Reiner's she's character sad. in mind because she's like, oh, I want to have sex so I won't be a virgin anymore. So maybe he'll have sex with me. But he just does it because he's like, what bored. So, some yeah, weird cause, cause college fantasy. Like, these two women at different points in their life have to teach him about being a man oh and growing up, which is what happens. Uh, I do think I, they do try and like grow. Like, I mean, this is actually kind of shitty, but they there's this one character that is like a suicidal oh, yeah. young uh, teenager Recluse, in college, yeah. like a college student, um, and they connect because. Josh Reiner sees him reading Infinite Jest and goes up to him and is like, this is the best book ever written, which, LOL. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. And then they start talking about it. Uh, Josh Reiner gives the kid his number later in the movie. The kid calls Josh Reiner and is like, I just took a bunch of pills. And then Josh Reiner is like spurred to help this child. So he like helps him. And then flies to Ohio to see him. And that's like, I feel like that's supposed to be like, oh, he is grown up now because he had to take care of this younger person. Yeah. But, which I guess is like kind of interesting, but also shitty that they had, they like put this like suicidal character in it. I don't know. It just didn't seem to be, I feel like when you talk about and when you like portray suicide Suicide. and depression like that, you have to be very careful and very thoughtful. Totally. And it wasn't, it was like a foil for Josh Radner's growth. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I, t- I totally agree. It was so shoehorned in, both him and the Zac Efron character who also appears, shoehorned yeah. in like just like a weird fantasy to be like, yeah. I made a difference in this suicidal person's life. Right. Did you see Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl? Yes. I straight up hated that film. I don't for remember. For a similar reason. Like anything uh, about it. <laughs> I can just briefly jog your memory, which is that it's about. The me character, whose name I can't remember. His best friend, Earl, who is a young black boy, Mm -hmm. and then a girl dying of cancer. And it literally is, like, his black friend and this girl who is dying of cancer, like, inspiring this mediocre white kid who is, like, has, like, you know, I'm the main character. And I remember watching it and just being like, this is some crock of shit. Same vibe, though. Same vibe of being like, I have learned about life because I knew a black kid and a girl died that I know. And maybe that's how, maybe that's sometimes how people 
learn, but I hated how they framed it. It's the same thing to this movie. I mean, like, like, movies have a responsibility to not do that, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, to not, you're just not just, yeah, yeah. This movie was bad. This was really, really bad. Um, Is there anything else we'd like to say about it before we jump into one-star reviews? Uh... No, honestly, if you do want to watch it, it's really funny. But if it's you, a funny watch. Yeah, we watched it together, thankfully, which yeah. was good. And the classical music scene. If you don't want to watch the whole movie, Google that. I do recommend googling that because you will laugh a lot. Um, oh, it's so good. Yeah. But like, yeah, let's jump into one star reviews. The first one is. I think Josh Radner watched Garden State and loved it. Tried to do something like that, but his own voice was more important to him than the movie. I think he records his own voice during the day and he listens to it while he goes to sleep. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he probably did watch Garden State. Yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I liked Garden... I watched Garden State semi-recently and Garden State is still cringy and mm-hmm. also about a man learning about life through a manic pixie dream girl. But it's a better movie than this movie. Yeah. Like, somewhat props to Zac Efron. Not Zac Efron. The other Zac <laughs> fan. This review says, Lo and behold, the aforementioned Cypher, who is also a complete failure in life, meets sophomore Zibby, short for Elizabeth. Did I say meet? Let me preface this correctly by saying that our imbecile of a hero is also an impotent man. When he sees the cute at rare times, but mostly average looking Zibby, he does not dare talk to her and their meeting is arranged by an entertaining nature hipster of a dude that is the only bright spot in the film. I did not include all of this review, but it was very evident to me that this was a real life incel writing the the review being like, she's not that hot. He's an impotent man. They call him a beta male at one point who can't have sex with her. Oh my god, ah! that's crazy. Also, mostly average looking. Have you seen Elizabeth Olsen's right. face? Was your TV screen dirty? <laughs> yeah, she's so pretty. What the fuck? The final one star review is okay, this one is awful, which is strange because the acting is very good, the characters well played, although sometimes a bit over the top, and the struggle of a 35 year old falling in love with a cute 19 year old. Is very real. If that's not haunting, I don't know what is. What a weird review. Because they're like, is. this is a bad movie, and then they're like, but everything about it is good. <laughs> so why? <laughs> what the fuck? Are and you? I relate to it. <laughs> ew. <laughs> super, super ew. Mackenzie, we have not rated Columbus or uh, liberal arts. Yeah. Let's do it together. Okay. Um, I'm going to rate Columbus... A seven, because I really liked it. And you know what? I like his filmmaking a lot, and I'm excited to see what he does next. And I love Haley Lee Richardson and John Cho. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to rate it. Like a six, because yeah. I, um, and that's, and not because of the, the, like, uh, if it's a good movie or not, but just because I always rate these things with how much I enjoy them mm-hmm. uh, in terms yeah. of like, did they make they me are. feel fuzzy inside? <laughs> yes. Um, and this did not do that, but it did make me, uh, I, it was super interesting, which I loved. Um, it's, very, it's so beautiful too. I just yeah. wish the relationship didn't feel as contrived, but mm-hmm. I thought, 
you know, they were interesting, like, mirrors of each other, which I think yeah. is cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Six, six and a half-ish, you know. And uh, liberal arts, what, what's your rating there? A zero. Oh, I was going to say it too. But you know what? I, <laughs> it, gonna, it's, you know, I can't imagine not liking a movie more than this. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> so self-indulgent. Like, just a fantasy for Josh Radner. And I didn't... Like, he got a really great cast together, because I love Elizabeth Olsen, I love Alice mm-hmm. and Janney, and I love... I like Richard Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Josh Maguru, who played the suicidal kid. Like, oh, a yeah, good yeah. cast. A good yeah, yeah, cast. Yeah. Uh, but what a bad movie. Yeah. I would say... I'd give it a two, because at least it's entertaining, because it's so bad. Yeah. I was like... I was like, I'm never going to rate another movie like nothing. So I might as well be this one. Yeah, no, I might as well <laughs> be I this one. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. I, I support you, Mackenzie. Just insane. Uh, an insane film. And honestly, he has not directed a movie since this. Thank even God. though everyone in the world liked it in 2012. Let's hope he is not allowed back behind the camera. <laughs> yeah. Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Creep Carlson for our music. Our next episode will air on August 2nd and we'll be discussing The Visit and Sixth Sense. So crazy it's going to be August. Uh, yeah. um, you can follow Chick Flicks on Instagram and Twitter at Chick Flicks Pod and email us at chickflickspodcast at gmail.com. Josh Radner, you are not welcome to email us at Chick Flicks Podcast or goodbye to Josh Radner. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> 